everyone. Welcome to League One Fun this week, presented by Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a perfect place to find all your scarf apparel for any and all American soccer leagues, whether it be MLS, USL, even college uh, ranks. So be sure to check them out uh, and get yourself a scarf. This week, we have two returning people who were missing from last week. Jason, how's it going? Good. I heard it was the highest rated show last week, too, as soon as it was announced that I wasn't going to be on it. So I'm sorry that I'm bringing back the ratings now. You know what? It's We haven't even done 10 episodes yet, and it's our first lost episode. So <laughs> technically, it was half heard is okay. right here. Yeah. And uh, also, back this week, Ira. How's it going, Ira? Hey, it's going, going great. Good to be back. I uh, was in Florida last week, and... Um, it was, uh, I got a little sunburn, I have to admit. Wow, just flex on us, Ira. Yeah, in March. All that, yeah. It's okay. We're getting burns already in Phoenix here. Uh, we have been for about a month now. So, guys, let's get into it. Uh, a lot of player signings, some news, um, a lot of questions. So, we got, we got a full show on tonight. Uh, Ira, do you want to kick us off? It seems like Richmond was pretty busy this past couple weeks. Yeah, so Richmond signed six players uh, in the past week. I'm, I'm just going to quickly go through five kind of in quick hits and then go a little bit more in detail in one. Uh, so they, they signed a Brazilian defender named Ivan, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but I think it's Maglahays. Um, he, played at, uh, he played at University of Maryland. Some of you might remember him because he played at Rio Grande um, uh, in the championship for a couple of years. He was actually drafted by Houston in 2016, um, and, uh, but he played for Tampa last year, and he only got like eight. Uh, he played in, I think, um, eight games uh, with, uh, with only a few starts. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably get a bit more playing time at Richmond than, than he did before. Um, they signed two goalkeepers, one, uh, named, uh, Matt Brumel who played in the NPSL last year. So kind of moving up from the fourth division to the third division of us soccer, uh, played for Atlantic city FC in New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. Uh, but he, uh, played before that he had a little stint in uh, Sweden and he played at Rutgers Newark. Also uh, another goalkeeper, Joe Rice, he played at Virginia Commonwealth University um, and he played uh, just a couple of uh, times for um, in the league, uh, in a, for league two team Lions Bridge FC, uh, which is the Virginia team. Um, they also signed another midfielder, Greg Bome. Um, he, uh, he's actually, he was with the team last year. Um, he was kind of a, a, a you know, a spot starter filled in kind of a solid, good, um, uh, kind of utility player. Um, I saw him play a, a number of times for Richmond last year. And I think that he'd, uh, uh, he, he's a decent addition. He's probably not going to be a regular starter unless someone gets injured. Uh, but he's also local. He grew up in Woodbridge, Virginia, which is about an hour or so North of, of Richmond. And then Sam Moore, who's actually on an Academy contract. And remember, Academy contracts mean two things. Firstly, they remain eligible for college. And second, that um, they don't count toward the main roster. Um, it doesn't really matter right now for Richmond because they only have 20 players on their roster anyway, so they still have plenty of roster space. But, um, but it does mean that, that, um, that he doesn't count for the moment. Now, he's probably only going to play, maybe, unless he becomes a regular starter until uh, August because uh, he has committed to UNC for the fall. So... Um, so he might only play, you know, basically half the season. Um, but I think the most interesting one, and actually, Jason, you can talk a little bit about him because you you mentioned him in one of your pieces that you wrote for BGN Written. Um, but Charles Boateng. 
So he's a Ghanaian uh, attacker. He played for West for the West African Football Academy in Ghana, and uh, and he was actually the leading scorer in that league until the the whole league shut down for the year with the the the, uh, um, the whole uh, season was abandoned. But you know the, the coach said. Uh, one of one of the funny things that they said in the press release was, uh, Coach Burlow said, um, he's he had interest from both USL Championship and MLS sides, but because of kind of a fluke of nature, he wound up in Richmond. So he's really happy about that. And then he also said that um, although no one might know him now, he's sure that everyone will will remember him later. Um, so you know he he has very high aspirations for him. So I, I've seen some video. It's hard to tell because I'm not sure of the quality of the competition, but he's strong, he's fast, um, and uh, and I think he's going to be an interesting attacking option for Richmond. I'm not sure you know if he'll start right away because they also have Daniel Jackson, who's uh, a pretty seasoned veteran. But you know maybe they're if they have two strikers or um, or if they platoon some minutes there, um, you know that's very possible between uh, uh, between them. So, and that's everything I have for Richmond. Yeah, and, and the academy comes from um, the Wafa SC Academy has produced a lot of notable players in MLS, including Ebenezer Afori for NYCFC and Harrison Awful for Columbus Crew, and even USL Championship with uh, Solomon Asante this year's possible favorite for MVP. Um, like Coach Bulo said, he, I'm shocked that he's in Richmond as well. He definitely was. Uh, sought after from MLS and USL teams, already capped for the U20 national team in Ghana and actually scored for them in qualifiers just this year. So he's a very exciting player. And to note what you were saying, I do think that Daniel Jackson's going to be the goal scorer of Richmond kickers. I think up top, he he knows how to make the runs and time them. But kind of what Lansing is doing with Steve St. Duck, I wouldn't be surprised if Richmond tries to make it work to have both of them on the field, right? I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you put him in a false nine and allow him to be the one to deliver the through balls or allow him to be the one to have the give and goes with Daniel Jackson. So, you know, I think this is something that where, you know, as the season progresses, I would take note as to how they're using him and where they're putting him on the field because Daniel Jackson's the type of player that he makes runs, he wants to split defenders, and he wants that through ball so that he can score through that way. And if Charles Boateng has the vision and is able to supply that, they might try to put both of them on the field at the same time. So I'm interested to see what uh, Coach Bulo is going to do with that. Interesting. So, hey, Jason, do you want to talk about Lansing's uh, loan signing from the week? Yeah, so um, Ivo Serta, he's a midfielder, former captain at University of Michigan, which I'm sure will make Lansing fans happy and that he's not a Michigan State product. Um, had nine goals and five assists while he was there, so a scoring midfielder, right? And um, Coach Miller talked about him being a great defender, which I think is very important for this system. Coach Miller is going to have all these guys running – you know, high pressing. And what that's going to do is that's going to leave a lot of space open in the midfield for a counter, especially if there's going to be long balls. So you're going to need somebody in the middle who can run that down and kind of be an engine, right? And be a defender, break up those counters, break up those plays. So Ivo might be the kind of guy to do that. And I think because of the high press and the aggression that they're going to be playing, there's going to be tons of rotation. So any player that comes in and has a high motor, I think it's going to see playing time for Lansing. 
Sounds good. So I'll go over SC Tucson uh, actually had one signing yesterday. Uh, they signed Devin, and I'm going to mess up this last name, but it's, I think it's Jamga. That's probably that's probably way off, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, he's a forward, played last year a little bit with uh, Timbers 2 in the championship, um, but still a pretty young guy. And uh, he actually played from the video they posted when they signed him. He played in the friendly uh, the FC Tucson had monday and so he's already been with the team for a while it, it seems like so that's just more i think forward that for tucson uh they're getting around 20 players now so it'll be interesting to see uh if they get any rising uh loanies uh and who else fills out that roster with just 10 days ago yeah it's, it's coming up quick and tucson has 20 i think richmond has around that so this upcoming eight days is going to probably be just crazy, right? They're going to be yeah. kind of what Tormented did this week and just announce four players in one day and keep it moving. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're going to get a lot of signings in this last couple of weeks. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised either to see signings go through maybe even like the first four weeks of the season, right? Like it's going to be a lot of process because we're still trying to figure out, you know, who's sticking to the championship side teams, who's – uh who's determining whether they can play for like a league two team. Maybe, maybe some guys find their way through that. Uh, so like you mentioned, Tormenta uh, signed four guys. Jason, do you, do you know anything about these guys? You know what? I don't, I'm convinced Tormenta doesn't want you to know anything about these okay. guys. So, so my, my thing is, you know, a lot of teams have focused on videos of preseason games and updates and it's either been one or the other, right? Either focus on our branding or focus on what we're doing in preseason or a little mixture of both. But I have not really seen anything from Tormenta regarding their preseason. And so I think that's what they want. And, uh, you know, so I'm looking at this and I'm looking at they, what they mark them as and I'm doing some research and I'm not going to put them completely on blast, um, but they're not even the, the position that Tormenta put out in, in the tweet that they play or unless they're changing positions, right? So when I was looking at uh, Amakawa, for instance, former Ohio State player who played Ford, but I think they listed him as a defender. So I'm, I'm watching Tormenta. And if you haven't checked our last podcast that came out this week, I had an interview with coach uh, John Milarisi, and he wouldn't even give me any kind of hints on tactics and the way they want to play and the players to watch out for. So I think Tormenta's trying to lay low. and I'm, like, I'm about it. I'm with it. I want to catch people by surprise. But um, y'all are supposed to be a great player. Played in the D.C. United Academy. Uh, played for Ohio State as a Ford. And then um, took some time off and is back. Caleb Jackson, another Ford. Uh, went to Rockhurst College and was all Midwest region first team, uh, eight goals and 10 assists while he was there. Um, and then a, in, another interesting player, uh, Dalton Cutson, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it wrong, but that's what I'm going to say. And he led um, Central Arkansas, Missouri, to a Missouri Valley Conference back to back titles, I believe, when he was there. Um, three goals and 12 assists. And so um, and he's supposed to be kind of a midfield defender hybrid. So it'll be curious to, to check him out and see how far up the field he's going to go. But, yeah, so as far as information, though, a uh, little, little unknown, and I think that's Tormenta's game right now. And I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I like the take teams by surprise mystery. I like it. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we won't have to wait long to see. So at this point, it probably doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're, they're a sleeper team. I think um, you look at their, they brought back a lot of their league two team from last year and people for people who don't know that league two team went undefeated in conference last year um, and then lost in the playoffs, um, lost to a tough Charleston team in U S open cup after winning their first round in U S open cup in Charleston last year, had the best defense in USL championship and lost that game 1-0. So it wasn't like it was a blowout. I think that you're going to see some really impressive players from Tormenta that's going to catch a lot of teams off guard, especially the first four or five games when teams are still working on their chemistry. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about it next week, but we have different opinions on that jersey that they that they have. <laughs> we'll, say that, we'll say that. So rounding out the signings, it looks like uh, Greenville also signed a couple guys uh, this past week. Uh, Roya, Royang or Ryong, Ryong Choi. I'm gonna go with that one. Uh, defender from North Point, North, uh, High Point, North Carolina. He played with the uh, North Carolina FC U23 team last year. Uh, their PDL side, and then they also signed Edmundo uh, Robinson, who's a striker. Uh, I don't have any other information. I don't know if you guys have know anything about these guys, um, but that ro- Greenville's roster now is up, up to 19. Uh, so everyone's really catching up. Yeah, uh, an- another team that's a little mysterious too, right? Uh, props to them, though. We, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, winning 3-0 uh, this past weekend in a friendly where Ford and Lansing playing some D2 schools you know, uh, and Greenfield decided to go D1 and, and winning. So we'll talk about that, though, in a little bit. Oh, yeah. So we should probably move along, uh, like you said, to those game results. I think the biggest preseason match of this past week has to be uh, Chattanooga going and playing Louisville City. Uh, me and Jeff talked about this last week, how Louisville had a game the night before, two nights before. So it wasn't going to be the Louisville City that – that we think of when we hear that team, but they tied one, one. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see any of this uh, game. Jason, do you, or Ira, do you have anything from this game? So I have a little bit from it. Ira, I don't know if you want to go ahead and if you have anything. I, I do not. Okay. So for people who are more interested in the game and want a more in depth, I definitely recommend checking out soccer chat with two T's, get it like Chattanooga cause they're creative. Uh, they had a really great rundown of the game and uh, talked about, you know, both um, halves and subs and what they saw and comparing it to the process of, from their first preseason game up until now. Um, and they also had a couple of great interviews in that, in those in that past episode as well. So make sure to check that out. Um, but from the sounds of it, from listening, it seems like Red Wolves had a lot of possession um, and the score in the first half wasn't really reflective of that because um, Louisville went into the half up one nothing, And I think that was off of a Chattanooga giveaway. Um, but I think uh, what, from what they were saying was a very great possession, possessive team. Um, you've got guys like Soto, who's just a beast on free kicks, constantly hitting the crossbar, it seems like, and putting in good corners. Um, you've got people overlapping like Daniel Jackson, or I'm sorry, um, I'm confusing names now. Um, you've got backs overlapping, though. Sorry about the name. But um, And I think they're going to be a team to – they're going to be high offensive power. They've got most – probably more veterans than anyone um, – in the league, they've got more international players, and Richard Dixon's the back that likes to overlap. But um, 
I think with them, the one thing I am concerned about, though, is their defense, right? So the bad giveaway, I'm not sure if it was from pressure. That's what I'm going to assume it was. Um, and I don't know if they've been tested. Playing Atlanta, too, uh, they pressured Louis, the Louisville City the night before in their in their game or in their game last week. But um, they don't really have that when they – find youthful Lansing coming at you or these other teams like Tormenta who pass the ball quick and are more aggressive. I'm curious to see what that back line does. I haven't heard much of it. Um, and so that's going to be something to look forward to uh, when they start play uh, in the next couple of days. Oh yeah. So a couple more results. Uh, like you mentioned, Greenville uh, played Appalachian state university and, uh, in a friendly, uh, it looks like it ended up 3-0 to Greenville. Uh, Jason, is that you? You have something to say about Cameron Soul? Yeah, I was, was going to ask uh, Chris, but he's on uh, daddy duty tonight, understandably. Um, but how good is Cameron Saul? Because he seems to be the one banging in goals, and I'm wondering if that's the one who they have to depend on, right? I'm looking at their roster. They've got a strong roster. They've got guys that Harks is familiar with, but those are more on the defense and midfield side. I don't know if uh, if Cameron Saul is the guy to depend on, but he definitely seems like it because he's been killing it in preseason. He's a fan. Like, all the fans adore him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I want to talk to Chris about it and see if, if Cameron Saul is going to be someone that surprises us this year. Oh, yeah. I want to go back. Adam Bruce in the chat uh, mentioned something I find pretty funny. Uh, Louisville City had two of their front office guys playing in that friendly uh, with Chattanooga. So, uh, I mean, that's, um, that's what happens when you, you wow. schedule a friendly and don't, I mean, let's be honest, not take it all that seriously. I mean, if you're scheduling a game like that right after your real game, the game that matters, uh, you end up with stuff like that. That just shows, listen, if you're interning for a soccer team and you still have hopes of making it pro, you never know. You go out there preseason, you you score a hat trick, and all of a sudden the team is thinking, you know what? Maybe we've had talent ran into our nose the whole time. Didn't even know. He was just handing us the mail. I transferred departments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some more scores. Uh, one rundown. Toronto played uh, Red Bulls 2, who's also in their league season already. Uh, but they dropped that result 4-2. to two. Uh, Ford Madison played University of Wisconsin Parkside, seven to one. Looks like Mason Toy had two goals, which <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why he's playing League One at this point. I mean, I, I think he's good enough at least championship. Uh, how many, how many guys are going to say? How many guys are we going to say about that this season? I, I have a funny feeling we're going to wind up with like five or six players that we're going to say these guys are not long for this league. It's probably more than it should be. And, and who knows what the issue with that is. I mean, for Madison, it's probably, you know, they're close, at least to Minnesota United. So it might be just that. And just that's the team that can get them playing time is, is probably the situation. What do you think, Jason? Uh, yeah. I mean, my thing, though, is if he does sign and plays, you know, most of the season for Ford, that's a top three signing in this league because I think that's – that's what Ford is missing. I look at their roster now and look what they've done in preseason and who who's scoring goals for them. I know um, Zaire Bartley had a great goal, their first goal. And what Ford likes to do is they like to switch the ball a lot. So when you're switching the ball, whether it's on counter, whether it's the, the whole possession, you need somebody to make that runs and be up top 
to be able to to receive those crosses or whatever's going to come in. And I don't know who they have right now to do that. And so if they can get Toye, that that's incredible. He's definitely the guy that's going to be able to finish those. And they're easily go from being a dangerous team to one of the most dangerous teams. Or they could just put Olmsberg up front because it seems like that <laughs> apparently, works. Yeah. Apparently. Olmsberg also had two goals. Uh, so another impressive result, whether it matters, beating a team by six when you're playing Division Two team well, remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see in a couple weeks. Well, let me uh, ask you guys this. If you're MLS owners, let's say, would do you care about where Toye is playing or do you just care that he's getting minutes? Because if he got 300 minutes in a whole two years, then does it actually matter where he is playing? You Obviously, League One is may not be as competitive as the top of championship, but there's definitely overlap. It's not like he's playing with a bunch of academy kids unless he's playing Orlando in, in Toronto. But um, yeah, so I just wonder if you guys were owners, what would you do in Minnesota's position? Would you, would you send them down to Madison or would you look for other USL championship teams? I think that's a good point, really, because ultimately he's going to develop more if he plays in those competitive matches. Like, could he get? And and I think the fact that they have the relationship where he could go back up to Minnesota if he needed to, that's a little bit more difficult if you loaned him on, say, a season-long loan to a championship or another League One team, because then you'd have to pay potentially pay fees or whatever agreements that you have with that team. So, um, so it probably makes a lot of sense. I mean, it is it is. Minnesota may be using um, Madison more as a, a two-team than um, we'd like to admit, but I think that that's the reason to have those affiliate relationships right there. Well, and I, I think if – I don't think there's a problem if a League One team is your affiliate. Like, if you just name it out and say, hey, this is where we're going to send guys, I don't think I have a problem with it. I think the issue might be, like, if that's the only place that he can go, then okay. But what interests me is – did they have an option farther away for a championship team to take them? Uh, and if that's the case, then you got away. I, I, you'd rather him play at championship level, right? Uh, if he's getting well, minutes. Although, although because they also have some relationship with coaching and training that, you know, that there is an advantage to having the affiliate, assuming that they have a good relationship together um, at the coaching level to make sure that, you know, they're playing the right style, that they're doing the right kind of training. Cause if you're like, um, if you get a loan to another, uh, another team, that team may or may not want to take you or, or do the type of training or maybe play in the style. Cause you want to try and find some team that plays in the, a similar style to what you play. Um, it's important to play, but at the same time, if you're a younger player still learning your trade, you also want to be able to, um, you know, be trained in, in the way that you're going to play with your, your home club. Yeah, I think it's all about the relationships, right? If Minnesota and Madison have a relationship to where it might not be announced, it might not be on paper, but they're like, hey, we have this understanding. We are going to send our guy down. We want him to get specific amount of minutes. We want him to play. But if something goes wrong, we need him back immediately, and we don't need to hear it from you guys that have this headache about how you can't let him go, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the, that's the give and take of it. We're going to give you one of the top guys in the league, but he is not yours permanently. And I think once you start talking to other USL championship teams, if you do that, they might not be cool with that, right? Mm -hmm. If they're making a playoff, 
playoff run. They know they're two wins away from getting home field advantage, and you want to call him back because of injuries. They might go, nah, I mean, they might, depending on the contract, have to. That's going to be a lot of bad blood, and they might not be able to do any kind of moves in the future. Whereas with Madison, if they have that understanding and they have that relationship, sure, we'll let that go because we know you're going to send more quality players down to us. And they're also close distance, right? I think when you look at players like him, you look at players like Andrew Carlton for Atlanta, they just want them close because Andrew Carlton should be playing either full-time in USL championship or off the bench every game or every other game for Atlanta, right? And I think they want him close in case injuries happen. So I'm like you said, knowing the system and saying, okay, so we had a fluke week and two of our strikers went down. We need to call Mason back up. He knows the system already. He's been playing in it. He's been playing consistent minutes. We don't have to worry about his form. We don't have to worry about getting him back integrated. He'll be good to go. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's a lot of benefits and cons, but I I'm, I like the, the not official affiliate, but... A, official affiliate kind of feel it's interesting because when we if we're talking about affiliates and i know this is a big tangent and we're off the uh off our script tonight <laughs> but if we you know this isn't the only situation that this where we have this because richmond has a loanee from uh from columbus right and you know so it, it'd be interesting to know what the uh you know kind of the, the callback language is for for him right because if you know, Columbus has a couple of guys go down, like Jason was just mentioning. Can Columbus get that person back, or is it a fixed, you know, one season loan for that particular player? So, um, yeah, you know, but those relationships can be really, really good for the players. Yeah, and I imagine that they would be able to call them back, and that's the point of this because of the quality of the players. Like the 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 kid in Richmond is a U twenty U S national, right? So he he is a very good player, right? And and so. They, they're not saying, hey, we're going to send you guys that we don't even know would be playing any minutes for us. There's, we're sending you guys that we know we would play if we needed to. Yeah, it's like uh, the Raheem's, Raheem Edwards. Uh, <laughs> well, I, guess, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going on. I was listening to the guys at uh, Capital Combustion, and they, I don't think they know either. There's yeah. been really no talk about it ever since it first came out. And Chicago just signed another international player. So that obviously doesn't make sense for, for them to do if it was an international roster issue. So maybe they got him there until they can figure out a trade. We just need to play a game each week. Where in the world is Raheem Edwards? <laughs> Will he play? Yeah. So finishing up the uh, preseason results, Tucson played Monday. Um, it sucked because neither team that played gave out any social media info. But thankfully, uh, Steven Hernandez, who I know is listening right now and in the chat, was there, wrote up a great piece for uh, Firebird Soccer, who I have to sh always shout out. So if you want to check out more details of the game, uh, firebirdsoccer.net. Uh, but from what we, from his reporting, we know, uh, looked like Roy Abergill was one of the spotlight players. He came on in the 60th minute and ended up scoring a hat trick. Uh, it, it was a 9-0 result for uh, FC Tucson playing uh, Sporting AZ FC, which is a UPSL side in Phoenix. Uh, so just like Lansing last week with their 7-0 win, uh, lob goals, clean, uh, clean defense from what I read, uh, an impressive result. Especially this was their first, what seemed like their first real preseason game uh, that didn't include. There were some trialists playing, but it was the roster that they have right now was the roster that played, and so. Uh, a great result going into the season. Do you think that's going to be Tucson's focus is defense? 
from from the guys they signed, it looks like it, right? It, it a very experienced backline. Uh, I'm excited because you know I I actually like a defensive minded team a little more, and so you know when you don't have to worry about giving up any goals, you can you have more freedom to go score more goals. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that flows throughout the season, especially Phoenix Rising has been signing a lot of defenders lately. They they've gotten a couple loanees, and so it'll be interesting to see if they t- if they send anyone down. And uh, if they do, I think it'll be defenders. Uh, okay. So even more strength for that team. So that wraps up preseason results, guys. Uh, let's get into some news. I think it, it was announced this morning, right? Or uh, in the last 24 hours that Chattanooga is going to be uh, opening up an academy uh, for their team, launching in time next year for the USL Academy Cup, which we, we should also get to. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys, on Chattanooga? I mean, it's another, you know, putting a seed into that community. Uh, what do you think about this announcement? Well, it's. I don't think it's a big surprise. They had already announced that they were going to have a whole big training facility. They've been using, uh, they've been making affiliate agreements with other uh, youth teams to, um, you know, so this was more of an official announcement that we knew was kind of coming. Um, I think it's, you know, it's good to have yet another development academy and kind of a path to a, a pro team and, and yet another uh, area of the country. And, you know, as we get these little pockets and, you know, you have, you know, Tormenta obviously is one of the big ones, but, you know, almost every team is going to have some form of, uh, of, of academy product underneath them. And um, the more teams that do this, the, the better. Um, and I think that, you know, the whole Academy Cup idea, I know Jason has a, a, a lot to say on that, but the, I think that the idea of this Academy Cup is going to be really interesting, too, to see, you know, players that are even, um, that we haven't even seen yet, and, and if you could wind up 10 years from now playing in the, uh, uh, playing for the first team. Yeah, and I think with Chattanooga specifically, they always kind of showcase that that's what they wanted to do, right? They wanted to come in, build a professional team, have a better quality on the field, and start a academy and start from within and build within the city. Um, and so it's great to see them do it. And also, you know, I might not have people agree with me on this and I might have people yell at me in my mentions. I think it makes soccer in Chattanooga better, regardless of who you're a fan of. If, if it's CFC, if it's Red Wolves, it doesn't matter because you are pushing them. And when you listen to Soccer Chat, they had a great uh, opinion on it that CFC didn't seem like they were focusing so heavy on academies until Red Wolves came around. And now CFC also announced that they're focusing on academies too. So regardless if you're a fan of whichever team, the point is soccer in that city is going to improve on a foundation level. You're going to have more money and more effort going into the kids and you're going to build up from scratch and have better players. So no matter what team you support, you're going to see a better product on the field. So I'm all about the competition, right? If they want to have little spicy takes in between and uh, try to have an ego stroke contest, that's cool too. But at the end of the day, if they are a competition with each other and they're making the overall soccer scene better in that city, I'm all about it. So I'm glad to see that both of them are now putting their money where their mouths are and they're growing that sport in the city more than they have been. Um, and that's no that's no shot at CFC. Obviously, what they've done is absolutely incredible. But, you know, if, if somebody comes along and you're trying to compete and want to make sure that you're better than them, great. I don't see how that's an issue for either team. I, I think I think 
uh, agree with Jason completely. And I think that the more, um, you know, the more better coaches and, and the more uh, players that can be moved up, um, you know, I got to imagine in the Chattanooga area, there's more than 23 pet players at each age group that might be um, you know, worthy of being on a development academy team. So the fact that you'll have two means that you'll have, you know, 46 players at each age group instead of 23. And that's, that's fantastic. And those, you know, U19 derbies, um, there, there was a note in the, uh, in our uh, YouTube chat about, you know, if only CFC played in the Open Cup. But uh, it, at the academy level, the U19s will probably play each other eventually for both of those academies. So um, so there's still going to be, you know, interesting cross-town rivalries. And they will. Don't worry. You'll get the U.S. Open Cup match between them. That's just they, – they, I, think, I think CFC wants to make sure they've got their first year together. They want to have the big friendlies and show off and say, hey, even though there's this new team around, look at us. We're still the number one flamboyant, you know, fun soccer team. So they'll get it together. I think they just want to make sure they're able to handle um, the schedule that they're getting. They want to make sure that, you know, Founders Cup is actually happening since teams are pulling out and pulling and different teams are coming in. So, yeah, it'll happen. Well, in academies too, that's a – like that's a pretty big investment no matter what level you're at. Right. And so uh, these teams, I, you know, no matter we've talked about how important this first year is for Chattanooga and getting that winning mentality to stay alive pretty much in Chattanooga. But this seems to be a move that's geared towards, this is a long-term investment. It's going to take a while. Um, you know, you, you're not going to stop, start popping up Academy prospects tomorrow or even next year, you know, it's going to take some time. So at least in this stage, they're here to stay. Uh, no matter how this how the season goes, the next couple of years, which aligns you, perfectly with uh, what USL headquarters announced this week as well. Exactly, Jason. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So for those who haven't heard it, USL A USL Academy, uh, it's starting off with the cup, and it's going to be a competition across all of USL. So championship. League One and League Two of the academy teams, and they're going to be playing each other in a national tournament uh, for U17 and U13. The U17s will be split by region for qualifiers, um, so you'll get some qualifying, and the teams will be announced later this spring. And then U13s won't have any qualifiers; they'll just go straight to national. But this is this is cool because now you've got multiple situations to where you can see just how talented these kids in these academies are, right? Like. They're going to be on top of it. It forces people who have academy to focus more on academies because you don't want to be a USL championship side and be beat by a League Two side, or especially a new League Two side, right? And it also gives opportunities for players to move on, right? Let's say League Two Academy, the San Francisco Glens come out. They have a kid. They end up playing Sacramento in qualifiers, and Sacramento goes, wow, that kid is super good, and they talk to him. It's hour away. The kid decides to make the move, goes to Sacramento, signs a pro academy contract with them. Now he has options to where he can move up to MLS when Sacramento moves up or if another MLS team likes him, or he can get more eyes in Europe. And for the people who don't know, this is how Europe's academy is system is set up as well. This is what they're used to. So they're not used to this MLS2 affiliate thing, right? They're used to this academy system. So when they come to scout, this is going to be a lot more appealing to them. And I think this is where USL can kind of start if they want to push them back from MLS, right? This is they're like, listen, if we focus on our pro academy and we sign these 15-year-olds like San Antonio just did, uh, 
and at 15 years old and Europe comes and signs them for 1.5 million, like the Chris Richards situation, all that money is going to the academy. It's going straight to that USL team. We don't have to split it with anybody. It's us. And if they make that kind of found that they make that kind of money and they have that talent, then why would you want to rely on MLS? Why would you want to do the affiliate thing? You can work on your own thing and have your own system. And all that does is put pressure on MLS to say, hey, we got to make a decision. Either we're going to be with this or we're going to lose a lot of money by not being with it because all that local talent is being got bought up by League Two teams that can spread the country more, right? I expect there, we've already talked about how League One is expected to one day have 40 teams and championships might have 40 teams and League Two might have 40 teams. They're expanding through the map that MLS isn't, right? And especially in that Midwest. So they're going to be finding local talent that MLS has not found, right? So when Alabama finds another Chris Richards, they can keep him. He doesn't have to make a move all the way to Dallas. And also a lot of those players can't do that financially. Even if they are good enough, they're being missed out on because they can't fly to a whole nother academy. So this is amazing to me. And I, I right now it's just a cup and I know, you know, we'll hear more in the future about how the academy system will work, but I'm super excited about this because it leaves so many options and so many opportunities for players who didn't have them before. I wonder how much of this has to do with, um, you know, MLS talking about doing their own uh, MLS Academy League as well. You know, because one of the complaints that a few have is some independent academy teams just aren't um, as competitive as the MLS Academy, so they don't play as many competitive games. Um, and this is a way kind of for USL to ensure that they um, kind of both stay relevant, but also make sure that, that um, a lot of these teams have competitive matches as well. So it's another, you know, kind of positive, I think, in general for youth development in, in the country. And, yeah. and it also means that there might be some kind of tiering of the academy system as well, where independent academies might not, um, you might have to almost form their own um, their own thing. So it's, it's interesting because you might have pro-rel might wind up happening at the academy level before it happens at the professional level. Yeah, and it, it'd be a good test for that, right, to see how that works. And I know UPSL has had pro-rel for, for a system going. So it's, it's and then you see that the letter that went out today, and I mean, not today, this week, though, and had, what, 150 clubs that said that they were interested in pro-rel. So I don't, you know, USL, I, what they're doing that I like is they're allowing these opportunities to happen. They're not saying this is what we're trying to do. This is where we want to get to. They're setting themselves up for the best case scenario so that if pro rail does take off, they've already got an academy system set up for it. And I think they're saying they're looking at what MLS is doing and losing this money. When you look at Real Salt Lake who lost money on Ledesma, they don't want to do it through that anymore. If he was brought up through the real Monarchs Academy, and then ended up going to Salt Lake and never signing a homegrown contract or a pro contract and then gets bought out by PSV, why should Real Monarch lose out on that money? Why should these USL teams be losing out on that money? So I love this decision because they are setting themselves up for the best case scenarios. Yeah, and I think I, I haven't seen anyone talk about this yet, so I may be way, way off base, but I think you know, it might improve the college game better too. Because, you know, not every kid at an academy is going to sign with their, their with their main club or sign, you know, somewhere else professionally before they reach that age. And, you know, those kids are still going to probably go to college or at least think about it. And so I think even the college game could be heightened, which is sorely needed at this point. Yeah. And with my interview with Coach John Melarisi of Tormenta, that's what he said. He said the point of them making building these academies and 
setting up this system, they know not all these players are going to go on to be professional players, but if they become good enough and they're good enough to go to college and that can help them get to college and that helps them discover that this is something that they're good enough to get scholarships for, that's the point. You're uplifting your whole environment. You're uplifting your community. That's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to support local soccer. So there's no better way to do that. So yeah, that's a great point, Mark. Well, it'll also be, I think personally, it'll be cool when you, you have these League Two teams who already have established academies, you know, bossing these USL Championship Academies that just born. And you get to see, because no, I mean, maybe some very hardcore fans know about League Two Academies, but I'm sure there are plenty of good players in those teams that just aren't being seen, aren't being talked about because, you know, at where they're at. And so th this will just, I think, heighten. Uh, you know, rising tide raises all ships, and this is certainly the case. Yeah. So that seems to be all the news, unless you guys have anything else. No, I think that's major news. So I think uh, what we're going to move to next is we've actually started discussing, uh, this is kind of the start of our preview. We're going to have a full preview next week with all our rankings, but we wanted just to do a quick little uh list uh for each of us of we picked two guys who we think will stand out this year uh in the inaugural year of league one and one guy who's maybe under the radar so far but we think we'll have a big season so Irashi, do you want to start us off who are your uh two standouts that you have going yes. into the year so first uh, i uh akira fitzgerald who um he's a goalkeeper for richmond and what i what I think is going to be super interesting, especially if Richmond plays the way that I think they will with possession, with building out of the back, is that his distribution is, it's insane. I mean, this, he can put a ball on someone's foot from 50 yards. So he can be at one side of the penalty area and switch the field with a 50 yard over the top ball right on the foot of a winger or, um, uh, or a, a midfielder and start the attack. So I think he, he's going to be really, really interesting. So I, I saw him play a number of times last year for Tampa Bay. Um, he, um, you, know, you know, I think I said this on, on the first episode I was on, and that's, you know, he's a, kind of an average good shot stopper, but he, he's not phenomenal, but his distribution is great, really good with his feet, and, and the attack will start with him. And I think that um, initially some teams might be very surprised and find it difficult to uh, – um, find it difficult to, to handle that. Um, so, so I'm looking forward to him. Um, my second standout is kind of a, are, are, are we taking turns here or do you want me to? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah so, so my, my second, I'm going to say, and, and this was a tricky one for me because, um, well, mainly because Mark stole my, my number one, but, <laughs> um, but one is, is uh, Kobe Ase uh, Wusu who played for Richmond last year. Um, but uh, doesn't quite fit that system because he's much more direct player and he's uh, he's strong and fast. Um, but he's playing for OCB now, and there's a couple of interesting things about him. One is he's the oldest player on the team at 23 years old. So will he be a leader on that team? Oh, that's that's probably the second uh, old, the youngest for Ford Madison. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, but he, you know, so he's the kind of player where. Um, he can definitely be a target forward. He's traditionally played more as a, a kind of a, a number eight or a number 10, but he could potentially be used as a number nine for them. So I'd like to see him. He's, he scored some goals. He, he kind of, uh, like I said, he's very physical, very direct. So, you know, if they want to use him kind of in the, the, the role that Dom Dwyer sometimes plays for, for the first team, 
Um, you know, he could be an interesting guy who actually, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was their leading goal scorer. Um, and for a sleeper, I, I'm going to go to TFC too. You know, we always make fun of, I, I, I'm going to two, two teams that we don't normally talk a lot about because we don't have as much information um, and, and they're, you know, absolutely silent on social media. But, uh, but I'm going to go to TFC too and talk about Jesus West. Um, he's, he really impressed me. He played for the U-20s in CONCACAF qualifying for the U-20 World Cup. Uh, he's a Panama, he's a Panamanian kind of right back wing back. Um, and he's quite, uh, he's, he's quite quick. He's good, good passer. He actually has a good shot. He actually scored a couple of goals in qualifying from that <clears throat> kind of right wing back position. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, so I think he's one of those people who can just come out and surprise and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, he was on the radar of, of the first team at some point as a backup. Uh, who's ever up there. And, and, you know, he's still young and he's probably going to be away for part of the year too. So that's another reason why it's very likely that even though he might have the quality to be on the bench on occasion for the first team, that he's going to stay uh, with TFC2 at least through the, uh, through the U20 World Cup. I agree. I think we've been, we've been a little hard on Toronto, roast him a little bit, and that's why, you know, I'm sporting the Toronto jersey today. You know, give, give them some love, kind of balance it out a little bit. And I also think person to look out for uh, in Toronto is Jordan Peruza. Uh, he's a beast. I think he's going to be scoring a ton of goals, um, plays for the Canadian youth national team. Um, I think that he just has everything that you would want in a striker, and I'm excited to watch him play. Awesome. So, Jason, you want to go through uh, your selections? Yeah, and for the sake of time, I'm going to go through them, be short and precise. Uh, when we go to Chattanooga, I like Soto. I think that he's going to be someone that Chattanooga needs to create chances. I think that they have great forwards, and he's going to be the one to feed them. I think that he has great free kicks. I think he's going to be kind of the magician of that team and kind of set up a lot of the goals and set up you know, corner kicks and be the one that they look to when they need a spark, whether he is coming off the bench or whether he uh, has just a great possession to where he's – draws in three defenders and splits them and has an amazing pass uh, to, you know, someone to finish it. Um, so that's one person. And then another person um, that I think can make a huge difference is uh, Ali Naganzi for Ford Madison uh, recently signed uh, on loan from Minnesota United who Minnesota United already got on loan, I think. So it's inception of loans, but he's a box to box player. And when you look at that Ford lineup that they've been doing, they've had that midfielder by himself, right? Whoever's playing it. And, and they're going to need someone to be able to create that, that start that possession and be the pivot. And he's a beast when it comes to him being box to box. He's only 18 years old. So, and he's already playing for the Tanzania's, U23 team and captaining for them. Uh, he's going to be an amazing player. And so I think he's going to be an offensive spark uh, that Ford can really use. And then for my sleeper, you know, we talk about Lansing and we talk about their attacking players. We talk about Pato. We talk about Steve St. Duke. We talk about, you know, whether or not uh, Raheem is going to play. I think one of the important players, though, and he might not get the credit he deserves, is Christian Silva. 
Um, you know, from what I've heard, he's been the vocal captain of the team will probably wear the captain's armband. And he's been that vocal leader to tell people where they need to be and get them going. And when you have an attacking team like that, you leave so much of the field open when you push up that high and you don't want to depend on your defenders to be one-on-one with speedy strikers. So I think he's going to be the one that's going to be the, the general of that team. And if Lansing's a system can work and it's fluid, it's going to run through him. So I think that Silva is going to be super important to that team. And I think if they're one of the top teams in the league, he's going to be a big part of it. Why? Even if he's not getting the attention it deserves. Sounds good. Uh, so my picks, uh, I, my standout, I, at least my first standout, I think is, is one of the most obvious ones, but I'm really excited to see Ricardo Pepe play for North Texas. Um, he's, he's been pretty impressive in the preseason uh, and he's just taking a shot. Like he's getting his chance uh, still 15, 16 years old, but he has uh, the strength and the speed uh, to make real impact for them. And, and I'm guessing he's top five goal scorer this year uh, in the league. Um, my other standout is uh, Andrew Wheeler, Aminu, uh, the midfielder for Tucson. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that just bosses the midfield. Um, we talked about how Tucson's going to have a defensive uh, minded approach most likely uh, despite the style that they play and I, I think he's he's comparable for me to what James Musa did last year with Phoenix you know you, you have all those attackers on the field but you still need that one guy uh, in the midfield that can cover for you and I think that's uh, where he's going to end up being and be a huge impact for Tucson uh, my sleeper uh, I've been going back and forth on this I don't know if you can pick a guy who's played in the championship as a sleeper, but I'm going with Maxi Rodriguez uh, for Richmond. Uh, I, I just think he, he's a very impressive uh, midfielder for me who has that experience. Uh, and just like Aminu, uh, he's going to be able to control that midfield for Richmond uh, and give uh, their forwards a chance to get out and score. And it's going to be important wow, for that right. team. Cause yeah. they, like we said, yeah, he's going to be very important for that team. So, yeah, he's just going to be very important for that team, just, you know, both as a pivot and, and on the defensive side as yeah. well. So just to get the ball forward. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting, Mark, that you uh, you went did go back and forth in our show notes about five times. And you didn't even pick the person that's in there now. No. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like that we shouted out players who might not be getting that attention but are crucial to their team's success, right? That's – I, I love doing that. I love shouting out those players and, you know, central defensive midfielder is usually a big role with that, that, you know, that you don't get the, the stat line of assisting goals, but yeah, I think that, you know, I, I like that our selections, but we'll talk more about the, uh, the showstoppers and the, the flashy guys next week in our prediction show. Oh yeah. So that wraps up that section. Uh, guys, let's get on to fan questions. We have a decent amount. Uh, some of this we've actually covered already. So I think we'll be good to uh, kind of gloss over them a little more. Uh, but let's start off uh, Brad Bates on, I believe this was Reddit, uh, he asked, or Twitter, sorry. Twitter. Uh, yeah. How do you think, how do you guys think Nathan Lewis playing for the Trinidad and Tobago national team will affect his chemistry with Lance, his Lansing Unite teammates? So I don't, I don't think it'd be too much of a problem. I think a lot of teams, when you look, and it's, it's great to have players that are new 20 national teams that have to, you know, are getting called up for friendlies and stuff. So I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. What I'm more curious about is how his relationship will work 
with Steve St. Duck because even when you watch the friendly today versus Wales, uh, Trinidad Tobago, Nathan Lewis likes to make a lot of cuts towards goal, right? And when you watch Steve St. Duck, when he, when he comes mid, that it looks like Lansing wants him to be, they don't want him to be wide. They want him to kind of go in mid. He likes to do a lot of give and goes. And he, and I think that if Nathan Lewis and him can form a connection, it's going to be unstoppable. They're both speedy. They're both CONCACAF men. They, they know the physicality. They know how to get around players. I think if they are, that's the connection you need to look for for Lansing. If those two can connect, I, I'll talk more about in my prediction, but that's going to help Steve St. Duck become MVP caliber because now they're not just depending on him on you know, sending in goals. They can have Nathan Lewis make those cuts to come in and score as well. So, yeah, that's the connection. I wouldn't be too afraid of chemistry-wise for the whole team, and I think that helps teams, and that's the importance of depth, and I think Lansing's done a great job with depth, so I don't, have to, I don't think you have to worry about that. I, would, I worry about that connection because if that connection happens, yeah, they're, they're a dangerous team. Yeah, and I think if we're talking about national team affecting chemistry, I think you got to look at maybe even like North Texas as a bigger potential impact because you have guys, you've got the U-20 World Cup, coming up you got uh olympic qualifying and so you might have guys away longer than a standard international break period and so trying to fit in and rotate those guys as they come in and as they leave uh will be a huge uh juggling uh effort from north texas yeah brad calm down you got depth all right other people got it worse than you should be happy (laughs) so next question from uh We'll go, we'll jump down to actually 11 rising on Reddit, uh, asked this. I, I posted in Reddit and got some questions. Uh, what do you expect the quality of the league to be initially? Are we looking at a big jump from PDL? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but Ira, do you want to take this one? What's your expectation for quality in league one in the first year? Yeah, well, I think the quality will definitely be better than, uh, you know, PDL now League Two. Um, if, no, if for no other reason, you have a lot of players who are professionals, have been professionals. Some of the teams obviously came down from the championship. I mean, when you, you know, just look at, at Richmond, for example, and, you know, TFC2, some of the, uh, some of the, the players that they have are uh, championship quality players, in my opinion. So uh, it's very likely that, that, you know, it will definitely be a step up. You know, how good it's going to be, I, I think it, you know, it's, I'd like to say that there's going to be some kind of parity and that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, very competitive games. But I have a funny feeling that a couple of teams are just going to completely fall flat because there's really no way to know at this point until we, uh, you know, get probably a couple of weeks under our belt to have an idea about, you know, is there a couple of teams that the quality is just not there and some other teams that are just going to blow others away? Like, it would not surprise me at all. And I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It would not surprise me at all if we had one team that was undefeated after the first five or six games and then another team that is still looking for a point or a couple of points after um, after the first five games. It would not surprise me either way. That's a good point. I also think, though, like that, that occurs in every league, right? Like you, you have those teams that just fall flat, especially the two teams you think of uh, in the USL Championship. Uh, you know, Seattle Sounders 2, Timbers 2 have struggled in past years. So I, I don't think it matters what league those kind of teams are in. Some are going to definitely, you know, drop to the bottom uh, for a year. Jason, what, what are your thoughts? I agree with that, but I think that's going to be later on in the season. I think the one difference between this league and other leagues is we don't know anything about 
a couple of the teams, right? So, like, for instance, when, when Greenville and Tormenta line up, how much do we actually know about either team? Like, is, is Tormenta building up from the back? Is Greenville applying high press? We don't really know. So I would not be surprised if in the beginning, you know, you have a team that like a Richmond or Tucson or whoever playing against Orlando and they're thinking, oh, okay, well, here comes these kids. And all of a sudden Orlando seems to be able to put it together and might catch them off guard, right? They might be able to go up a goal or two in the first half and then bunker and be able to hold it. I don't know about Orlando because I just haven't heard anything about Orlando, but it's a possibility, right? When you looked at what uh, Toronto 2 did to, to Riverhounds, I'm sure that they didn't expect for them to come out there and put that high pressure on, and the Riverhounds were given goals away defensively because they weren't ready for that high press. So, you know, I think eventually, yes, I think like you will, you will see teams like Orlando probably drop down to the bottom, but they might be able to catch a couple of people off guard because there's no tape to watch on them. There's no real exploitation on their style and play and what's going to be happening. So, you know, I think in the beginning of the season, it's going to be the most fun because that's when you're going to see the upsets and that's when you're going to see styles that we didn't expect. That's true. That's true. Uh, this is from Weston Shelton of Capital Combustion. Uh, does the league need to limit the amount of affiliates? Or uh, So I'm, I'm guessing from this question, uh, MLS affiliates, USL championship affiliates, does the league need to limit those kind of, those kind of uh, partnerships? Jason? I don't know if the league needs to limit it, but I will say if you look at what USL is doing, if you think that you have a fan base you think that you have a good academy system and talent around you, you should hold off as long as you can on affiliations. That's all I'm going to say. I think that you, if you think you can handle your own, if you can pack in even 2,000, 3,000 people a week and build off of that, hold off on affiliations. Hey, Ira, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm mixed. I mean, I, I guess if you mean by affiliation, both the aff- affiliation agreement type of issues or um, or two teams, like I-, I think it would be sad if League One became more than a, uh, it had more than 50% of the teams be two teams uh, that were direct um, uh, directly owned by either championship or, um, or MLS teams. I-, I think going forward, it would be nice to have more and more independent teams in, in general. Um, I-, I think, you know, looking kind of if I had a crystal ball and I said 10 years from now, where would we be? I think there might actually be like a reserve squad um, league and then have, uh, you know, both USL championship and league one be, uh, be only for independent teams. And, you know, maybe they can have some kind of loose affiliation where, you know, players go, go up and down uh, on loan. But, um, but yeah, I like the idea of having more and more independent teams as opposed to just, uh, just two teams for sure. That's true. I, I didn't think of that the question as that. Um, I expect you know more. We we've heard ten to twelve teams dropping down. Most of those are probably affiliate teams, um, and that I I personally I'm okay with that because you need a te- you need a place for those teams to play. And you know at this point, League One is is the lowest tier of professional leagues, and so if, if teams are going to play. You know, we saw MLS Reserve League did not work out when it was around uh, just because, you know, those teams were playing each other. And you see even in attendance now when those teams play each other, no one shows up. And so 
you know, as long as there's a, a spot open, as long as they're not pushing any teams out by being in the league, I think it, I think it's okay because even the teams that aren't uh, affiliated with another organization, they most likely have higher goals. And so there's going to always be that kind of movement where teams move up, teams move down without ProRail, with ProRail, regardless. So I think, you know, for, for now, I'm okay uh, with the amount of two teams uh, coming into the league in, in the league currently. Uh, so next question uh, from Steven Hernandez. What do we feel like is the most important thing for clubs to focus on in their first year? Ira, do you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this before. I think the, the number one is to um, is is basically to get into the community and just to get involved in the community and build that fan base. I mean, the, so the, the way to do that, obviously, is to have good on-field performance, but also do some things like what Torment is doing, right? Send your, your players out to high school soccer games and um, you know, just have great fan engagement and make the, the game day a great experience uh, for, for all the fans, right? You know, a few teams have, will have that already. I mean, certainly Richmond um, with, uh, with, with, with the uh, RVA um, will definitely have, you know, good fan experience and they'll have a lot of cheering fans and they'll be loud. So for the new teams, I think that that's really what they have to focus on is creating that kind of great experience because the more people who come through the turnstiles, the better the, um, the team will do financially, the better players they'll be able to get, and the better on-field performance that they'll have. So I, I think that that has to be first. Win, win now is, is, is good, but it, I don't think that that it can necessarily be your primary thing that you're looking to do year one. Yep, I 100% agree. Start with the community, build a rapport, build something, not even just – a product on the field, but an experience that people want to be a part of and want to come back to, right? Like I, as a Philadelphia fan for most teams, I know what heartbreak is. I didn't see a championship from a Philadelphia team for the first, what, 20 years of my life, something crazy like that. But it didn't stop me from being a fan um, because you feel a part of it, because your family's in it, because this is something that you grow to love. So I would focus on the community and that's what this league is supposed to be, right? It's community driven. It's something different. It's something to give chances to people who want soccer. So show it, support it, and your team should be doing the same. Exactly. You guys took the words out of my mouth. I think it, Richmond's in a unique situation because they've been around, but even those PDL teams and the expansion teams, like this is their first shot or even redo shot of, creating that experience. Uh, and so you want something that's sticky. You, you want something that people are going to come back to no matter the result. Uh, you'll have some people uh, leave because the team's bad, but you also have people be there no matter what, your season ticket holders, your college students, your kids. And so creating a place for them to want to come back to, even if your team is terrible, uh, I think is important for the first year. So I think we have one more question. I, I think we've talked about this before, uh, but we'll get at it again. Uh, Adam Bruce uh, asks, why do so many teams use minor league baseball fields uh, for the stadium, bad for fans and bad for viewing? We, we've covered this. I, I think I can take this one easily. You know, it, it's what's available to them at that point. You know, not every team can, you know, create a stadium with the foresight of playing in league one by the time this league was created. And so, you know, it's a temper, hopefully a temporary fix. Um, I think sometimes you guys can correct me on this if you think I'm wrong, but I think 
you know, fan experience can still be the same if you're playing at a baseball field. Um, you know, sight lines aren't as good. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a soccer stadium, but I still think you can have a good time um, no matter where you play. You guys have any quick thoughts on this? I would just say that, you know, having having been down to a, a Rowdies match, which they play in a baseball stadium, but the way that it's laid out, it's still a full-size pitch. And, um, you know, if if you sit on one of the sides or behind, it, it's almost like it's a quarter of what you think is the soccer-specific stadium's, you know, seating. Um, so it's really not not terrible. And, and it's kind of neat because you can see, you know, things other than fans beyond the uh, uh, beyond the pitch. But yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent mark what, um, you know, it's what's available and can still seat a lot of people. Yeah. And I'll quickly say it's a way to prove your city as well. Right. So resources, you don't have the funding to do a soccer specific stadium and taxpayers are like, well, I'm not going to pay extra and blah, 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 blah. But if you put a team in your city, you play on a minor league baseball field and you're selling out and year after year, your support builds and builds, then politics comes in and goes, yo, we need to make money off of this. This is great. Like the the city's behind this kind of look what Louisville city's doing, right? Like they play on a baseball pitch and they have a product now that they're winning championship after championship. And now they're putting out renderings and now it's easy for them to push that because they have so much support because they've shown, all right, well, what else is going on in Louisville besides Rick Pitino uh, having another TMZ moment, right? This is something that, that we can get behind. This is something that we believe in. So this is a way to prove it. And so I think they initially get into these contracts with baseball fields as a way to, all right, well, let's just prove our worth. And then once they prove that worth, it's a lot easier to sell it and say you need a soccer specific stadium. But I will say it is very trash watching on television. (laughs) The camera angles are always bad. Uh, You don't know where on the field they exactly are. You can't see a winger on the other end running, but you know, this is this is the part of lower league. You got to take the take the good with the bad, and you want it to grow. So, and then when Louisville does that, get that soccer specific stadium, and you go see it, you're just amazed by it, and you're so happy that it happened. Exactly. You'd rather have a team there than not have a team. You'd rather have a team there and watch crappy, uh, crappy production than no team there and have okay. no support. Uh, so that's all our questions, guys. Do you have any quick thoughts before we wrap up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no, Toronto. So. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. Yeah. So, guys, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. I want to thank before we get out of here. I want to thank first Beautiful Game Network for hosting us. Uh, Beautiful Game Network, both written. Jason actually has a piece with the uh, with the Phil Grooms. If you want to read more about the USL Academy and the pros and cons about that, so check that out. And uh, any podcast you want to listen to for just about any team in the USL. Uh, they got one, including one for Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, so thanks for them for uh, letting us be on. And I also want to thank our host, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official supplier of scarves for MLS, USL, and US soccer. You can even get custom scarves for your group or soccer team. Uh, and you can find that all at roughneckscarves.com. So make sure to check them out. Jason, Ira, thank you. Uh, we got a big show coming up next week. I know we're we're already getting ready for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be the big one, and we finally got games. Let me prep you all right now. You are going to be livid at us, and I cannot wait. You <laughs> need to 
tune in. This is going to be the biggest engagement on Twitter and meltdown. I hope the fail whale comes back. I need Twitter shut down at these takes that we are going to have next week. They're going to be mad at each one of us for a different reason. Oh, of course. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Guys, thank you again. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you.